0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 181. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the concealedcarry.com network. I'm your host Riley Bowman, and today I'm doing the show live on Facebook together with Matthew Marister. How you doing, sir?
1: Hey, hey Riley, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, this is a this is a riot. <laughs> we'll see if we can get through this episode today with uh, without too many hiccups. Uh, the last time we did this seemed to to go all right. So, hey folks, today we got some really exciting stories and news to share with you. Uh, some really great justified stories today. That I mean, they're just a couple of them are just mind blowing. Of course, they usually are, but today was was really an exceptional day. The amazing thing is we have five great stories lined up. I still had to cut several stories out of the lineup, and I just couldn't cut any more out of these five stories that are left, even though I'm sure we're going to be short on time getting through today's episode in a timely fashion. But we're going to do the best we can, so uh, bear with us, and we'll, we'll take you along for a ride, and hopefully it's a good time. First off, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation, so I'm going to stand up here, if I can get off my cord. There we go. So, you see my shirt here? This is the sweet Guardian Nation member shirt that you're going to get in your welcome kit when you join Guardian Nation. So, I hope that you'll check out Guardian Nation today. GuardianNation.com. Another sponsor of today's episode is Sports of Field Quality Safes. This is the little, uh, what they call this? the RV1. This is the uh, little handgun vault. Fits one. Actually, you can really fit two handguns in there if you kind of oppose them. But, uh, Sports of Field, Great quality products for sale on our website. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash sports afield. S P O R T S A F I E L D. Sports afield. Concealedcarry.com forward slash sports afield. We appreciate them and Guardian Nation being sponsors of this episode today and making it all possible. So, with that, I'm going to go ahead and kill our intro music here. And Matthew, you ready Ready to get this show on the road?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: All right, buddy. Okay, so uh, the cool thing about doing this on Facebook Live, if you're listening uh, the, to the podcast uh, audio-only feed after the fact, that's totally cool. Man, do my eyes look bloodshot? That's crazy. I don't know if it's the light. The light's like really really red or gold or orange or whatever in this room today. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, If you're listening to the podcast, the audio-only version, uh, you'll miss out on seeing some of the stories we're going to be talking about and sharing today, but I'll be doing my best to share as many of these on my screen with those of you viewing on Facebook Live. So it should be pretty cool as you go through these stories with us. And uh, there's even a a couple little video clips I might uh, be able to play uh, today as well as part of this episode. So first up, let's get to... uh, Okay, I got to get back over here. Now, I don't have my dual screen monitor set up because I am recording remotely from a hotel room in Durango, Colorado. Uh, so I can't like watch this screen over here with Facebook comments and all this other stuff coming in at the same time. So it might be a little slow to get into some of the comments today. So bear with bear with us today. Uh, so let's see, we got our first story up t- here is the uh, from the hill.com where the House just recently, this last week, passed the Concealed Carry. This is the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act of 2017. This is a big deal. We actually did a special episode on it. Uh, uh, what was that? Friday, I think it was, where we did our first Facebook Live full-on podcast, just like we're doing today, this past Friday, and we shared the, the news about yep. the uh, uh, Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act of 2017 being passed. So hopefully you're seeing my screen now. Uh, This is the story here. House passes concealed carry bill. Uh, So we're not going to spend any more time really on this today, other than if you missed Friday's episode, we wanted to make sure you didn't miss this news that house resolution 38 or HR 38 with the fixed next portion rolled into it as well. This all passed this last week. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was Wednesday. So there you go. Matthew, what are your thoughts on this though? Since uh, it was Jacob and I on the podcast Friday talking about this, I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: No, I, you know, I listened to the podcast and, um, you guys put out a couple of good articles along with it. And what I was, you guys covered a lot of the different aspects and even, you know, the, uh, the readers and listeners came up with a lot of good questions, um, as it relates to them and in different concerns that, you know, there's so many things that that this is going to be far reaching. And so it's going to affect a lot of people in different ways, different states that have different, um, Uh, laws right now. So, you know, if you're in a state that has real strict laws versus a state that has really lenient laws, it's going to affect you differently. And so people are concerned um, and rightfully so. So um, for me, I mean, it's kind of hard for me. I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing. Although I understand the state's rights argument and you know giving too much power to the federal government to you know if the if you give the power to the federal government to make this law then you're also giving power to the federal government to make a law on the on the flip side of it so I see both sides um you know if, if it plays out the way it should or hopefully the the way we want it to it would be a good thing it'd definitely be a good thing but um you know, I'm I'm always skeptical when it comes to <laughs> bureaucrats and things like that. So that's just that's just me.
0: No, I hear you, man. I mean, I I, I am too. I mean, politicians are uh, career politicians for a reason because they're going to do everything they can to make sure they stay in, pol- in uh, power. Uh, is is how I feel, and I know I'm preaching probably to a lot of the choir on this uh, as well. But you know, there are a lot of concerns about the fix nix thing, and and you know, being a part of this, I, I think the concealed carry. Portion of the bill, the reciprocity portion, is actually pretty decent considering uh, the circumstances and, and, and considering that th- that's probably the, the best you can do cons- considering the current climate of things. And even this bill, as it is, I think is a long shot to get through the Senate um, and to become actually law. But we're talking about it, we're making a big deal of it, because it is a big deal, and I hope that we can encourage uh, listeners and viewers of the podcast to really write out, you know, write to your congressmen, well, your senators now at this point, uh, encourage them, put the pressure on them, even your Democratic senators, let them know your support for this bill, let them know that this, when we talk about common sense legislation, this is common sense legislation, in my opinion, because it's ridiculous all the... The, the different laws and rules. I mean, we're still going to have some of that to an extent, but this goes a, lo- to a, to a long ways towards fixing a lot of the incongruencies across this nation as it relates to concealed carry. Similar to, you know, once upon a time we had to do something very similar with, and I know we ha- hate to make the, the car and gun uh, or car and concealed carry c- uh, comparison, but, you know, we had to do the same thing with driver's licenses at one time as well. So anyway, right to your senators and uh, hopefully we can get this thing done. So, that's like I said. I'm not going to try to rehash that. Go back, listen to episode 180 of the podcast. Uh, you can find that in our podcast feed uh, in iTunes or wherever you choose choose to listen to podcasts, or you can view it still. That video is still up on Facebook on our concealed carry uh, Facebook page. So now I'm going to shift over to our next story from Guns.com. Let's get back to the to that screen again. Oops, wrong thing. There we go. All right, here we go. So. You should be seeing my screen again. Guns.com Senate Committee hears testimony on bump stock ban. And so this has been talked about for some time. Uh, we, we reported on this weeks ago. I mean, sh- very shortly after the Mandalay Bay shooting, uh, it was reported that a bill was proposed to ban, to just all outright ban bump stocks. Now, talking about H.R. 38. And the fixed mix portion there is a, a provision in this recently house passed bill that is it, 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 uh, it initiates a study by the attorney general 's office on the use of bump stocks com- uh, in committed crimes okay but it doesn 't go any it doesn 't do anything about banning bump stocks or or changing any regulations about them it 's just it begins a it, it authorizes a study to be done on how, how many times or when or where are bump stocks used in crimes, right? This is a separate thing. This was shortly after Mandalay Bay where the Senate, uh, and it was, I think, I think Dianne Feinstein's part of this. Yeah, it's right here. She, she's the, she's the sponsor of this bill. And so this was, um, this is in committee right now being heard, um, in the Senate. So, uh, once again, I think this is a long shot to even becoming, you know, an issue as far as getting passed into law. But, I mean, we definitely know that this is on their radar, that they would love to ban ban those as well as all, all manner of of weapons as well. So, yeah,
1: for, for me, the, the the issue was, and it even says in here, um, part of this, the disturbing language in the bill was to ban any part that is designed or functions to accelerate the rate of fire for a semi automatic rifle. You know, and and whenever laws are written that vaguely, it leaves it open to, you know, interpretation and a lot of subjectivity. And so, you know, what what could accelerate the rate of fire fire for a semi-automatic ri- rifle? Well, how about like, you know, an aftermarket trigger that, you know, the reset isn't as long. That would probably let you shoot quicker. So that would accelerate the so so I mean, the way it's worded, it, it you know, I, th- that's what, that's what bothers me about it. It's not, not so much that, um, you know, a- anything else in it studies and stuff like that, that's fine. But yep. when you, when you, these bills that get written so vaguely is just, it, it's troublesome. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, I, I'm thinking about uh, NYPD and why am I thinking about NYPD? I'm thinking about NYPD because, uh, <laughs> their policy as a department is they have a special trigger, right? That's required. Uh, you know, they issue Glocks to their, to their officers and they have what's called the New York trigger. There's the NY one and NY two trigger. And I think what they're using now is the NY two trigger. And it is a 12 pound trigger on a Glock. It's long. It is stiff. I mean, it, it's painful to shoot with. I don't, have you ever shot with an NY two trigger? Matthew, I have
1: not. No. Oh, no.
0: It, it, it is brutal, brother. It is brutal. You know, so, I mean, especially if you're if you're a, if you're a Glock lover, a Glock Glock fan, uh, and you're used to that five and a half six pound trigger that we that we're accustomed to seeing on Glock pistols. It is a very difficult gun to shoot accurately, and we wonder why New York cops typically in shootings miss about eighty five percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but the reason I'm bringing that up is because I can see this you, you want to talk about slippery slope we did an episode on that uh, just, just recently as well talking you know Jacob and I discussing the whole slippery slope issue why that's an issue I can see this turning eventually into a, where we're mandated to all guns have to be a double action only you know, t- you know and they give us a minimum uh, weight as far as what the trigger has to be I could yeah. totally see you know Dianne Feinstein eventually hey now we got to do this because you know We can't be having these hair triggers on people's defensive handguns and by hair trigger, anything less than 12 pounds.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a hair trigger. Yeah. But, but then again, you know, you'll then, you know, gunsmiths, they're going to go regulate gunsmiths and kick open their door and make sure they're not performing trigger jobs on guns. And it's just, it's, 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 it's weird. I, I mean, it, it, some of the stuff is unenforceable and even if you could enforce it, who's gonna do it? And it's just it's it complicates it and it, it, it to no end, to no justified end or no good end. If if all this stuff really would stop a Mandalay Bay shooting, then okay, great. But it's not. So you're just creating all this problem for no reason. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've got the uh, Facebook feed uh, pulled up now on my phone so I can keep an eye a little bit better on comments today as they come in folks so feel free to drop your comments in in the comments section of the of this Facebook live video today uh, we will do our best to respond to you and take your questions and, and give you answers and how you doing Brandon I see uh, you you've dropped a comment in here uh, how easy is it to get into quickly I'm not um, not quite sure which what you're talking about there. So a little bit of clarification, if, if you have any, that'd be, that'd be helpful. How is how easy is it to get into what quickly anyway? So let's, uh, let's go now to a story from military.com. And so talking about, uh, uh, uh well, we were just talking about kind of Glock and, and whatnot. And, um, this legislation from uh diane feinstein to limit uh triggers we know we've had some trigger issues with the p320s <laughs> 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 but uh so you know i i i know someone's gonna leave a comment on this next story well well don't drop it or is it drop safe now uh i don't know but i, I imagine sig's got this all worked out by now uh, i know people are getting their uh, uh voluntarily upgraded pistols back now and uh, some reports I've, I've heard have been a little bit mixed. Like some people will say, hey, the trigger is still great. Um, some have said it's even a little bit better, and some have said it's worse. Uh, that's what I'm concerned about. I, I, I've got my notification saying you could send in your SIG now for the upgrade, but uh, I'm, I'm holding off just a little bit longer. I want to make sure that, that everything is, is good to go on, on the uh, upgrade. Uh, SIG Sauer says on this story to offer the commercial version of, of Army's new sidearm. Uh, And so uh, this is a a picture here of the U.S. Army's new XM-17. Uh, This is the MHS contract gun, Uh, basically a SIG P320. You can see this has the uh, upgraded trigger in it. And these also have a manual safety, uh, which is, uh, you know, obviously that's a, Requirement that the military required, the army required. Um, I don't know that I would be particularly crazy about having a, one of these with that on it or not, but I do like that the safety is frame mounted and operates very similarly to a 1911 pistol. So it's probably not too bad. Uh, but anyhow, so just reporting here on SIG, they're planning on doing a limited release of about 5,000 of the army variant of the M17 for the commercial market. They do not know yet what the price will be. Uh, okay. Am <laughs>
1: yeah, I back? Yeah, I thought it was me that disappeared.
0: It looks like the Facebook Live is still going, so people have just been staring at, at your ugly
1: mug for the last uh, 30 oh, seconds. Oh, I, hey, I apologize. <laughs> I, I apologize for that. I thought I was gone. So, <laughs>
0: All right, so I don't your know screens, but but I'm back. So here we go. So anyway, the MHS uh, contract gun, uh, I'm going to pull that back up here, This uh, that story. Um, oh, that's mine all my email here we go all right, so yeah, five thousand of these limited edition uh, being uh, released by sig Sauer. here uh, don't know exactly one but and they don't know yet the price on these, but some people I'm sure are gonna be pretty interested in picking one of these up uh, there's always something about folks wanting to have the latest and greatest uh you know military handgun did did, it,
1: did you lose me? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you
1: fine. It just sounded like, Oh yeah. (laughs) You went digital for a second, but yeah, I I heard you say everybody always wants a military handgun. You know, it's anything that's military grade, somehow it becomes better. And until you realize like military grade, isn't always that great. (laughs) It's a lot of times it's, you know, (laughs) bottom of the barrel or the lowest bidder grade. So, you know, Humvees are military grade, but they're terrible vehicle. So it's like (laughs) I I, but I'm not saying that the SIG is a bad a bad gun. I mean even with the drop safety the the (laughs) chances of that thing dropping in a specific way to fire off around it I mean it is so so remote. But um but yeah I like the SIG and I'm not saying it's not a good gun but yeah when just by throwing military grade in there people think it's better some way and it's not always the case. Yeah yeah, Yeah uh, so
0: I, I don't know that I got to pick one up, but I'm sure, like I said, some people out there will probably be interested in one. So uh, there you go. Look for it soon, coming from SIG. Shifting now over to guns.com, this is a story about Smith & Wesson. I found this one kind of interesting, Matthew. Uh, Smith & Wesson just recently had a stockholders meeting. And in that meeting, uh, they basically were reporting on uh, how this promotional buyer's market is hurting the industry and that it, they, they feel like it's unsustainable. Uh, Smith & Wesson took a huge hit to their, uh, to their, to their stock price. Uh, I think it dropped uh, 14% on Thursday. And they're saying that all this crazy promotional pricing we're seeing in the gun industry right now, I mean, on Black Friday, I mean, you pick up AR-15s, you know, complete rifles for like 300 bucks, I think uh, Freedom Munitions had one for under the under three hundred, like two forty nine or something, just crazy ridiculous, right? Oh, wow! And so, I mean, it's, it's one, it's Black Friday, I get that, but we have seen prices in in the industry just really coming down rapidly in the last couple of months um, because the market's now being forced to be competitive and to offer things, you know, at a at a really solid price uh, to get people to buy. Because we don't have Hillary Clinton or Obama or anybody else really driving this this fear to to buy now because of legislation. Although we just talked about some legislation that is being talked about, but it just I don't think anybody's really worried about that happening.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, I always get kind of like my, my antenna goes up when somebody says a company says, "Well, because our stocks are going down, um, this this is unsustainable." as for the market as a whole and you know yeah the prices are way down but i mean that's how a free market system works and um it's not just supply and demand there's you know political factors that factor in the pricing and all that stuff so you know i I don't know i don't think that they're alone in taking a hit but certainly um, there are other companies that are seizing the opportunity to get into the market at a lower, you know, low at this time and compete with these companies. And and you know, who knows how it's going to shake out? But it's cyclical, and I'm sure it will come back around again. It just takes one, you know, um, Diane Feinstein bill to be you know passed or you know get close to passing, and then you know, or the ammunition ban or something like that, and and things might start upticking and, but, you know, I, I understand what they're saying, you know, for their stockholders and stuff. That's a concern for them. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, dooming and the the, the ruination of, uh, the firearms market. Like, like it kind of sounded like from Smith and Wesson.
0: It's interesting to me because here you have Smith and Wesson that the way I perceive this is, you know, they're, Whining and making excuses about, you know, why business is not as good as it once was, uh, because they're no longer riding that Obama, you know, gun boom, and uh, now they actually have to compete. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Smith and Wesson. I love Smith and Wesson guns. Uh, they make some really great, great guns. Uh, but we're now in a different world uh, for the for the next, you know, foreseeable future for a couple of years at least, probably. Well, something really crazy happens. Uh, you know, this is free, free market at work. Uh, people will have to make, you know, better products somehow, or they've got to be innovative in some new way that gets people's attention, or they got to differentiate themselves in the market somehow, or they got to be super dirt cheap, or maybe a combination of some of those, those options. And that's a good thing in the long run, because one, hopefully it makes gun companies leaner, uh, makes products better, uh, allows them to make things, um, uh, you know, at a better price, which get, you know, that, that, may, that means uh, consumers are going to win. And now we, we get more, more bang for our buck, hopefully. The one thing that we, I hope doesn't happen is we see a drop in, in quality on anything, you know, to save costs and therefore bring prices down. So anyway, let's go on now to our next story is, i uh, get this pulled up again. Uh, This is a good one. Yeah. Let's see here. Let's close that. So our next story is really not much of a story, except that earlier today, or maybe this was yesterday. No, December 9th. So it's two days ago now. Uh, Springfield Army just posted this one image to their Facebook page and their social media channels. Big old, I guess it's a Roman numeral X right? And it just says December 15th. <laughs> and so, there's a lot of speculation about what this is and, and, and what it, you know, might mean. So, uh, what, do, what do you think, Matthew? What is, what is Springfield trying to tease here?
1: Well, I think Springfield Marketing's uh, taken a, a, a page out of Apple's uh, marketing. <laughs> like, you know, the, the iPhone 10 or whatever, um, you, you know, trying to make a simple kind of catchy thing that is going to catch your eye, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they have they you know, they came out with that hammer fired, um, uh, gun recently, XD. I forget X, D, E, whatever, um, <laughs> E external hammer. <laughs> and, you know, some people hated it. Some people loved it. Um, but you know, they're, they're out there innovating some stuff, new, so, new stuff. So I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to come up with. They, they, they came into the, uh, the AR, they came with some different AR models and things like that recently. So they're, I mean, they're out there testing the waters and seeing what's going to hit and what's going to stick. And, um, I'm excited. I saw it and I was like, Oh man, I wish I knew, you know, but I'm, I'm not that connected. So I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know, the right people to find out what's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, I mean, I like Springfield. I know they went through their own, you know, like Sig. They're, they went through their own, you know, media or you know, uh, popularity bashing thing a while back, and um, they've recovered fine because they're a good company and they make good, good products and things. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what see what's uh, what's going to shake out. Yeah.
0: Hey folks, drop a comment for us. What do you think this might be? What is Springfield armor going to release next? I love some of the comments on the, this Facebook post from them. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, this guy here says, hopefully this is the XDM 10 millimeter. People have been speculating about and, and asking for a 10 millimeter XD or XDM gun forever. And you know, this Roman Roman numeral, num, numeral X or 10 uh, you know, 10, could that stand for for 10 millimeter? That's that's a reasonable uh, uh, supposition, I suppose. Uh, I love this comment. Springfield is selling the new iPhone 10.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: 1911 10 millimeter. This guy doesn't want it to be that. He wants an XDM 10 millimeter. I don't know, but uh, stay tuned. Watch Springfield Armory's uh, page. I'm sure on December 15th, they'll be telling us soon. Uh, that's just in a couple days, four days, we'll find out what, uh, X means. Next story. HPD, this is Hawaii, uh, or Honolulu, Honolulu, excuse me. It is in Hawaii, but Honolulu police department will not enforce or take guns from medical marijuana users. So they're kind of doing this in the face, you know, of, of federal law saying, uh, we're not gonna, we're not going to go along with that. And uh, this is interesting. Like, I have to look at this, Matthew, and be like, what is going on in our world? You know, because on one hand, you got people wanting to put more, I guess, drugs, (laughs) marijuana, in the hands of people, right? Make it more easily accessible, make it recreationally legal, whatever it is. You got that going on. And at the same time, typically, we see people wanting to take our guns away. Now we have a story where it's like, we want people to have marijuana, particularly medical, uh, medically licensed uh, marijuana patients. So, okay, whatever. Uh, and we're not going to take their guns away. Like, wow, like this just feels like my, the world is getting flipped upside down on its
1: head. Yeah, well, I think it depends. I think, <laughs> I think it's because some of the motivations behind these things are not rational-based. They're politically-based or voter group-based. So depending on who you're speaking in front of, that's, you know, you're going to ban everything if, you know, right on the heels of a national shooting. Um, but if you want to sound like you're progressive and you're, you know, um, for, uh, you know, freedoms for everybody and, and, you know, you have to be, you have to move forward with, uh, uh with, states' rights and screw the federal government and this stuff, then you have to support, you know, the, the states giving the finger to the federal government on things like medical marijuana. Um, I thought it was interesting that the the PD initially issued letters to owners of, uh, of concealed carry or, or firearm owners that also were in the state database um, system as far as getting a uh, medical marijuana uh, license and sent them letters saying you have 30 days to either transfer your firearms or um, turn them over. And that's exactly 100% exactly the argument that people have that say, I don't want to have a federal list of firearm owners or, or, or a, de- a federal database of um, you know, as soon as, uh, registry, national registry, because this is exactly what happens. They will, you know, say, okay, we're going to start coming and taking firearms away from people. And that's exactly what happened here. Now the, the PD kind of backtracked on it and said, okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to, you know, see if this is, you know, see what other jurisdictions and agencies are doing. And, but, um, you know, when I wrote that article, a lot, Couple of years ago about marijuana and firearm ownership, um, I didn't. I didn't even take a stance on if mer- medical marijuana was a, a legitimate thing or not. I, that's it's totally a separate issue, but people immediately jump on that and they conflate the issue and say, "Well, marijuana is better than alcohol, and marijuana is better than this." and You know, if you drive, I'm a better driver when I'm high instead of drunk. It's not an issue. That's not the issue at at stake here. And when you guys argue that, or you know, try to uh, make a point about that, you're missing the point of that. When you go and you you put yourself on a list with the state and you apply for that medical marijuana card, you are you are jeopardizing some of your freedoms possibly, and. And, uh, it, you know, it depends on the state and things. Um, I just got a, a, an email two days ago or three days ago from a former student. Um, it was the, the father and the son. And this, the father emails me and says, hey, my son just got stopped on a traffic stop the other night. And he had um, a, a roach left in his, in his um, uh, ashtray. So he had a tiny bit of marijuana. He had his concealed handgun license. He had his firearm in the car. Well, they ended up arresting him for being under the influence. Um, and as soon as you get in, in Ohio, as soon as you're found to be under the influence, your ha- uh, handgun license is null and void. So then they charged him with illegal transport transportation of a firearm, illegal transportation or, or a concealed handgun, all kinds of different uh, different charges. So, you know, you might think, OK, it's my right to get this medical marijuana license and through HIPAA and all this, and, and that doesn't co- cover it anyways, but um, through all these, you know, they, they don't have the right. Well, if you go and you have just a little bit of marijuana, you know, in your pocket or in your vehicle, you, you run the risk of something like this happening, even with a medical marijuana card. So I this just totally exemplifies the whole murkiness of state's and, and federal law in huge conflict. And so, you know, it, I guess buyer beware or be aware that when you, when you do these things, and I'm not saying that, you know, you don't have a reason, a legitimate medical purpose that marijuana might help with, but I'm just telling you that these types of situations are going to be continually happening. And we know the Supreme Court doesn't want to touch this issue right now. It's not going to be resolved for a long time. So
0: yeah for sure uh, you know here's my my thoughts is one don't do drugs even prescription ones and see i know that we we could probably put medical marijuana in that same category all right let's just suppose it's legal let's just suppose people that are sick need it that's fine I, i'm not you know really into marijuana or anything like that but hey i'm not going to you know keep someone that feels like they really need it to to deal with their cancer or whatever it is, I'm not going to step in there and say, you yeah, know, you can't have that. Uh, but, but don't do drugs and carry a gun. You know, if it impairs you in any way, don't carry a gun, drugs, prescription drugs, painkillers, alcohol, don't do it and carry a gun. Simple as that. But it's, it's this is such an interesting story though. Seeing Honolulu PD say, we're not going to take guns, even though it's a federal law. You know, it still is a, against federal law. Uh, we're not going to take those guns away. I just, I'm, I'm feeling like the world's just flipping upside down on its head. <laughs> uh, pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> so let's go now to the, the journal Sentinel, jsonline.com. Uh, this story uh, really caught my attention a few days ago. You know, the initial story was that in Milwaukee, you had several, uh, looks like, you know, some kind of road, Uh, construction, you know, workers uh, that, uh, uh, you know, a photo went viral where these guys are standing around. And here it is right here. If you see my screen, I'm sharing it here. You got a couple of these guys. I mean, two guys are carrying openly and you have a third guy that has his gun out in his hand and is standing there, (laughs) I guess, supervising the work. (laughs) I mean, this looks like, this looks like a a road work inside of a concentration camp. (laughs) making sure people work or something you know whipping them into shape uh you know i I, I saw this photo and i'm like what in the heck like what is going on here i i don't mind the dude carrying openly in their holsters but what's up with the dude holding the gun in his hand ridiculous
1: yeah ridiculous so he was fired and yeah and you know, should have been, I, mean, I would say. I mean, this is yeah. I mean, unreasonable <laughs> to stand around
0: in a public space, working on a public project with a gun in your hand.
1: Yeah, it, and, and okay, so I'll I'll cover the, the I'll be the uh, the defense for these these guys. Now, their defense was the reason why they're carrying is it's a very high crime rate area. There's been, you know, eight homicides and 30 shootings or such in, in the recent uh, months. And so they're out there and uh, they don't feel safe. And, you know, OK, I get it. Um, the issue was not only the stupid guy, the, 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 the stupid Idea for that one guy to pull out his gun for no reason, pointed at the ground or the other guy's foot. I I don't know exactly what he was pointing it at, but anyways, that was stupid. But apparently, they have these—they have a a, a rule or a policy that these workers can't carry firearms, and that's their policy. Um, And there was some argument on, you know, because these are subcontractors and not, you know, officially city employees. Does it apply? And apparently, if you read like you know sub paragraph fifty thousand of the you know six hundred page rule book, it says yeah subcontractors are covered as well. Also, I mean, I, I guess um, you know so that the one guy gets fired, the other two get suspended um, for you know carrying their firearms. The guys get suspended, and the other guy gets fired for brandishing, and, and I guess they also may pursue criminal charges against this guy for you know brandishing his firearm or whatnot so
0: yeah well he had no reason to I mean, unless unless this photo was captured at the very instant which there's no report of this of course that somebody's threatening him from you know over the the shoulder here of the of the photographer you know and he's getting ready to draw that gun and put it into use uh, I, I got the sense looking at this that uh, these guys were probably, you know they, they they're construction workers i've been there i've worked on jobs many many years and uh you know you like to have a good time and tell a good joke and you got three guys here that obviously are of a mind uh they're carrying their guns proud to do so obviously by I think, demonstrating and doing this openly uh and you got a guy that you know somebody else another construction worker perhaps it's like Hey this is so funny, Say, you know, look at you guys stand here carrying your guns while we're working on this project and hey let me take a picture and the other guy goes, "Oh, whoa, wait, wait, let me get my gun out." <laughs> you know, just having some fun or whatever, but the problem is this is a really poor decision. And, and the problem I really see with this Matthew is that when when we even though no one got harmed from this and even though maybe let's just suppose this guy exercised proper, uh, safety in this. Now his, his is not like indexed along the frame, but it doesn't look like it's in the trigger guard. So, Hey, that's cool. Whatever dude. Like, you know, and, and let's just suppose he's not pointing, you know, the, the perspective of the image is not what it appears to be. And it's not pointing at any of these other guys' legs or feet. All right. So I went back to the holster. That's cool. Whatever. Right. Other than the fact he had no reason to pull the gun out of the holster in the first place. Uh, let's just suppose that, hey, no harm, no foul. It's all cool. These are res- responsible gun owners. The problem is, is that images like this give the anti-gunners, those that would want to take guns and gun rights away from us, get a get wind of this. And they go, look at these ridiculous yahoos, these monkeys. We got to, you know we got to do something about this. We can't have this sort of thing happening. And so Alderman, uh, this is Milwaukee Alderman, Bob Donovan is bringing up a a resolution to, uh, I mean, I think it was already against policy, but basically they're, they're going to pass an ordinance. That's the idea that would definitely prohibit this sort of thing and, and and increase the, uh, uh, the the penalty for, for violating this order. So um, anyway, we're going to move on from that story, but I mean, Hey, folks, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and opinions on this as well, though. Drop in the Facebook uh, comments there. Uh, what do you think about this? Are these guys, you know, are they are they crazy and insane? Or, you know, are we making, or is media making too big of a deal out of this um, than what it should have been? Uh, so also, uh, I see Howard's watching. How awesome. Good to see you, Howard. And and I saw Jacob popped in. I don't know if he's still here or not, but uh, glad to have you guys join uh, the Facebook Live uh, podcast today. and. And be a part of this. So, yeah. Anyway, hey, and, and if you if you want to drop in there too, where you guys are viewing the podcast from, we'd definitely love to to see where our viewers are f- are from across the country today. Do me a favor too, if you can, and and also share this uh, Facebook Live video with with your friends and family. Hit um, just hit that share button and put that out there. We definitely want you know this information and and the stories and things we talk about, lessons learned, to to reach as many people as we can. We're going to move on now to this story on Newsweek, and this is uh, called Guns Are Causing Crisis in the Second Most Dangerous City in America, St. Louis Mayor Says. And so St. Louis Mayor Lida or Lida, Lida? I don't know, Lida Cruson said at a press conference recently that the level of violence in our city is at a crisis level. I think it is apparent to most of us that we are awash in guns. They're being used to settle differences, defend territory, retaliate, retaliate, take cars, do holdups. Uh, I love this. You know, let's, let's blame the gun, Matthew. Let's point at the guns and say, the problem here is that we are having a gun crisis and that's made us the second most violent city in America.
1: Yeah, so, not it's not the um, the political environment. It's not anything else. It has to be. It, it can't be economics. It can't be anything. It has to be the gun because guns are being used to commit robberies and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't doubt that they are it, absolutely. But what's the? Why are people cr- committing crimes? What, what, what's caught, What's driving them to have to? You know, um, defend what's causing them to join a gang and, and you know defend with their life some you know piece of crap block on the street I- instead of going to school. You, well, your schools are terrible. You have no jobs. Your 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 business uh, um, environment your environment is terrible for business. So you're driving business out of your city. So you're not making any bringing any revenue from your taxes. I mean, it's you're looking at the end product. It's like you know somebody has a cold and they have and they sneeze and they say, oh well, you know we don't want to we don't want to stop how they got the cold. We're just gonna we're just gonna focus on you know the fact that they have a runny nose. And it's like, no, man, you got to look at the big picture here. Um, And your policies are are causing your community to to degrade. And that's, what's causing people to pick up guns and commit crimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I look at this and it's like, you know, in her world and what she's saying here is that the guns are the cause or the root cause of all this violence. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're the mayor of the city. Why don't you step up, you know, police uh, activity in, the, in various neighborhoods? Why don't you um, launch initiatives to you know to do more with working with gangs and trying to keep kids from getting into these gangs. Uh, I mean it's it's just so bizarre to me that we'd point at the gun and say that's the problem. We gotta do something about the guns. It's not gonna get rid of the violence. It won't. It won't take it away anything. Now she's proposing by the way a gun buyback program where citizens should yeah. their guns The plan goes, and in exchange, it says, receive grocery store gift certificates. It's set to begin as early as next week. Now, this is a real good, you know, feel-good thing to do. And I'm sure it makes her feel all warm and fuzzy inside. We're going to do this gun buyback program. You know, these people, obviously, they need need groceries. So we're going to give them a grocery card. So they can go get some groceries. And I'm thinking... How many gang main, uh, members do you think, Matthew, are going to actually show up and turn in their guns uh, when they're concerned about protecting themselves and their territory? How many guys are going to show up and turn in their guns to get some groceries?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say zero, absolutely <laughs> zero. But right? when it comes down to, hey, I have a bunch of people that are committing drive-bys and shooting up my house, and I need to defend myself, or do I want to go and get some bananas and cereal? Um, I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to keep my gun, you know, especially if you sell drugs for a living and you need to protect yourself. And that's how you make more money than what you would ever get from a gun buyback. It's (laughs) ridiculous.
0: Yeah. You know, and and the funny thing is here, uh, it says, uh, where did I see that? Uh, oh yes, right here. This next paragraph. But critics say the city's problems run deeper than guns. We've already touched on that, and that the city has tried this approach several times, only to see crime continue to creep upwards. So, gun buybacks have been tried in the past in St. Louis, and and hasn't worked. hasn't had any any effect whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what's no, what's interesting is this Bruce Franks. Um, uh, apparently, he. Uh, from what I see, he he may, might be live lives in the city, but uh, he put out a tweet and said in 1991, gun buyback was done after my brother was killed. First one in St. Louis, seven thousand five hundred guns were removed. So again, as you see the numbers, buy pack buyback. Then what? So he he's saying you know, and, and you would th- you'd be sympathetic with somebody who lost their brother and say you know, and, and I guarantee in 1991 when he lost his brother and the and the mayor then probably said hey we're gonna have this gun buyback because we are concerned about our citizens we want to get guns off the street i bet you everybody rallied around and said hey that's a great idea they're doing something about it and it's going to take guns off the street and gun crime is going to go down well you see it doesn't happen it actually gets worse you cannot possibly get all the guns off the streets And you can't possibly get the guns out of the the guns. You do get 7,500 of them weren't from criminals. They were from people that weren't going to commit crimes anyways. So then what? And and he puts it perfect. Then what? (laughs) I mean, you could take back 7,500 guns and your city becomes worse. Then what? What are you going to do? You got to change some other policies and look inside yourself and, and as a mayor and not just put these you know, feel good uh, statements out because you're not doing anything for anyone yeah. except yourself. Look at this,
0: uh, look at this, uh, re- this tweet reply right here uh, from A Torch. It doesn't really work, does it, Bruce? I'm asking sincerely. If I remember the one in 1991, we had older folks bring in the one gun they had in the house. A fair percentage were antique and non-functional even. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what I mean. la lapd or la maybe it was la uh county uh did did a, bu- a buyback just a few months ago and you go and look at the the photographs from that and the videos because there was a lot of press covering that event and what do you see but you see a bunch of old crappy rusted broken stocked guns that you know somebody <laughs> had laying around the garage and they're like oh i guess i'll go get me a, a grocery card or a Best Buy card, you know, and might as well. And and they're all like old folks.
1: There are even people putting, like building their own firearms, you know, making these makeshift like shotguns out of like <laughs> pipes and stuff and going and turning them in. You get by like six bucks of material from Home Depot and go strap it together and give it, turn it in. There's no question. So you're not, yep. you're not you know going to get charged. With manufacturing of a firearm, so you go turn it in. They give you a hundred dollars. It's like I just made you know ninety six bucks or something. It's like, yeah, it, it makes no sense, dude. The taxpayers fa- are paying money for something that doesn't, yeah, it makes no sense.
0: So I just followed this uh, this uh, Bruce Franks Jr. State Representative of the seventy eighth District of Missouri. This, this guy seems cool. I mean, look at this is this is a state representative and his profile pic, uh, father, husband, business owner, activist, battle rapper and state representative. <laughs> nice. <cool> <laughs> nice. So, you know, it, it, like I said, where do we start? Let's blame the guns. Thus, we've got to take the guns away. And guess what? We're still going to be left with a problem. We know that. We're preaching to the choir on this one. But the important thing is, folks, is to let, let's point at these examples. And there's there was some specific stuff in there. I mean, uh, Representative Franks had posted in his tweets uh, some of the statistics of you know uh, homicides in St. Louis in 91, 92, 93. They did, they did the gun buyback in 91. And you did see, by the way, which could be completely unrelated to the gun buyback, but you did see in 1992 a slight you know reduction in those homicides. And then back in 1993, things were right back up, actually worse than they were in 1991, which is kind of what you were saying. And I have no idea if that's related to the gun buyback program. But even if we did do a gun buyback, and even if it did have a result, I suspect if there was any sort of result you would see it only be very temporary and then things would come right back because those gangbangers, if they're turning in their guns, they're getting more of them. So I saw that we had a couple listen, listeners or viewers. Jeremy from Illinois has checked in. Dan from Illinois as well. That's two from Illinois. Congrats. Uh, uh, Jeremy says the communist state of Illinois here. Uh, hey, we're glad to have you guys checking in and listening and, wa- and viewing today. And Doyle from Washington State. Thank you, Doyle. Appreciate you, uh, uh, tuning in as well today. Uh, Hey, anyone else that's listening, drop in, in the, in the chat there in the comments, uh, where you're from. And also if you have any questions or comments about anything we're talking about here today, definitely we want to hear from you and uh, we'll include that in the discussion as well. So just a few days ago, Matthew, and this was, you know, really sad, tragic story as they always are. Although it ended, with it being far less worse than it probably could have been. And that was this shooting in New Mexico, uh, northwest New Mexico, uh, where this guy right here, we see him here, and uh, crazy dude, apparently, right? Because, I mean, even though it tells us that he had zero criminal record, not even a traffic ticket, he had been on the FBI's radar at one time, or they had actually come and interviewed him because of some things that he had said or or something or done. I don't remember exactly what, what the, that whole background was there, but I know that the, he was on the FBI's radar at one time, but nothing came of it because they, they couldn't find any any evidence or, or sign that he was actually going to take action on anything. Well, here we go. We, we have him sometime later going crazy. He turns 21. He buys a gun, and he goes to this uh, high school, Mex- New Mexico's Aztec High School, and Uh, uh, you know, decide he's going to go ape, (laughs) ape bleep, (laughs) right? Uh, He posted a manifesto dated December 7th. This is, I believe the day of the, of the attack. Uh, He said, if things go according to plan today would be when I die. I wait until the school buses are detected, then head out on foot disguised as a student. This is exactly what he did. He waited, you know, the school buses showed up to the school. He just sort of mingled in with the students, went right into the school armed with a gun. Uh, He they went into, by the way, into a restroom. As he prepared, you know, to get himself ready, arm himself, and then he was going to go about a, um, uh, you know, a shooting spree within the school. Uh, he, he says, here, I go somewhere and get up and hold a class hostage and go ape bleep and then blow my brains out. World sucks. School sucks. Life sucks. I just won out of this bleep. Uh, F this state. It's really bad. Think I'm insane. I'm actually more rational, peaceful, and less loony than a majority of the citizenry of this entire region. Wow. Uh, I don't yeah. see any of those other people that you think are crazier than you going and shooting at schools. Uh, random people. Uh, apparently the two there was two victims, two students that were killed, one of those, unfortunately, and or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, because it was unfortunate fortunate that the student was killed. But what happened was as he's in the restroom getting ready, a student walks in and and uh, startles him, you know, basically interrupts as his preparation. And that forces him to take action. He shoots and kills that student right there um, and then proceeds out into, I guess, the hallway where he starts shooting randomly at people, shoots another student. Uh, I think it was a, a, a female, kills her, uh, shoots randomly at other people. No one else apparently is hit, and then he, and then he shoots himself. So it does report here that uh, one of the classrooms he tried to go into, but uh, the teacher had students push a sofa against the door. They were able to keep him out. Uh, you know, they did, they did what, what they should have done considering the circumstances. they got no other you know, means to defend themselves since apparently we can't have guns in schools, at least in a lot of states. Teachers can't carry an arm themselves in a lot of states. Uh, but they 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 kept him from you know gaining entry to the room and like i said he he took the easy way out, took his own life and ended it uh, pretty shortly after it began and so we were very fortunate in this when it could have been far worse
1: right and I think you know it's the, these tragedy, you know they're they're really in this situation i mean there wasn't a law that you could have predicted this 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 guy had no um, no prior mental health issues no run-ins with the you know, law enforcement or anything. And it just goes to show you that like people, people have mental issues and they have breakdowns and, you know, um, this is, this is a terrible, terrible tragedy. And it's not the time, you know, these things, these things are played into the passage of more gun laws. And, and you, you have to look at these and give the people You know the the victims uh, respect and say, "Really, I mean, this wasn't something that we could not have foreseen happening." And let's see what we can do to prevent not people from getting guns because this gun, this guy legally had his gun and everything like that. um, But how can we better put security around schools that maybe we can stop this from happening? Um, I I I think you you got to look at it that that side of the, the the equation as well. That this guy, uh, he was obviously, you know, if you look at it, you realize that this person had no regard for human life. He actually thought he was, you know, normal. Um, so he, we got to look at gun gun laws in, in the future and how, how we look at, you know, trying to reduce crime look at it in a way that we address the root cause of what pe- what causes people com- to commit crimes like this. What, what, what drives people to do stuff like this? Not what did they use in their, their, their attack? Um, cause this guy could have used a pipe bomb. This guy could have, you know, whatever he could have used. Um, so. Yep. I appreciate sense. your
0: comments on that. It looks like we may have lost your video feed. If you'll stop your video, Matthew and restart it, hopefully we can get, get you back. Oh, there. for sure. Yeah. For sure. All right, so, um, we're, you know, sad tragedy that happened there in, in uh, uh, New Mexico there, and uh, our hearts and uh, thoughts and uh, prayers, whatever you can call it. I mean, my, my heart goes out to those people affected by this. Um, the only thing I can look at is, I mean, we, we can't prevent everything from happening. You, know, you touched on there's no law that could have prevented this one necessarily, uh, no criminal record, no, no, nothing, you know. Uh, documented and you know there's no court uh, uh, ruling or anything or not uh, a judgment against him that you know deemed him mentally ill or anything like that Uh, it just it, it is but I it just is what it is I I would hope that we could you know and we have a story coming up right here by the way about basically carrying on campus, and this is college campuses, which this was a high school where the shooting in New Mexico occurred. Uh, I'd love to see more students on college campuses and more teachers in high schools that are able to properly defend themselves. Let's see. Let's, let's go, go now to the collegefix.com. And this is a story that uh, kind of hits a little, Close to home, in a way, because this happened to a personal friend of mine. Her name is Antonia Okafor. Uh, many of you might be familiar with her. She's a Second Amendment activist. Uh, she's She appears on, she was just on Fox News a few days ago, talking about this story, actually, in fact. Uh, and uh, uh, she, she appears on NRA TV. She's a great gal. Uh, really, you know, got a good head on her, especially where it comes to Second Amendment. She's doing a lot of good work to uh, educating people about Second Amendment, especially college campus carry. And so this story is really interesting because she was invited to go to Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts, and speak there uh, about, about, you know, what she typically presents about the uh, Second Amendment. And... uh, Hampshire College student Raheem Hirani was the one that uh, put together everything, put in the application to the college uh, about, you know, getting permission for her to come and speak and all this, right? Everything's set in place. She she travels out there to Massachusetts to give this speech at Hampshire College. And two hours before she's supposed to go on stage and, and speak, the college shuts it down. And they cite they, you know, they actually said, and here's the statement right here. He got an email from the college. This is Hirani. Uh, uh, what was the name? Rahim Hirani. He said, just two hours ahead of the event, I received an email saying, we have to cancel this event because we deem it too controversial. And we are receiving calls from students and staff and professors, and they are upset about it. Later, the college backtracked it, and they actually said Rahim Hirani uh, didn't fill out the application properly. So uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, of course, you've giving us a bunch of political correctness bullcrap on you know the the official statement that went out to media, but it's it clear what what it's clear that what was at the heart of this is that they deemed Antonia Okafor and what she was coming there to talk about too controversial, so they shut her down.
1: Well. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess what you know, what's the what's the criteria of what's too controversial? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just it's a subjective thing that the the dean just makes up and says, "Hey, I, I think this is too controversial because we have some we have some students um, that that are uh, uh, upset, okay, uh, and some pref- professors that are upset about about the Second Amendment." Uh, I I don't understand. I, I, you know, we go over this all the time, but, you know, college campuses initially were supposed to be, you know, set up controversial topics so kids and young adults could go there and learn about opposing point of views and things like that and, and kind of see, um, uh, build, you know, different opinions on their own. It wasn't a place to shelter away from a certain point of view if it makes you uncomfortable and increasingly that's what's happening but it seems to be happening only towards conservative values and conservative topics and these are the things that are you know deemed too controversial and so um this is a total you know first amendment issue because there's no they're they're gonna jump through all kinds of you know loops and say oh like they did oh you you missing you misinformed us we didn't think, we didn't know that it was going to be about second amendment and things like that. Well, it, that's bogus because obviously in the story, if you read the story, even the flyer chose her with a gun and, um, you know, and you would think that the, the governing board that would approve of, of a, of an event, if it was Antonio Okafor, uh, speaking, they would say, okay, well, I know what you Submitted to us, but let us do our own research before we approve this or disprove, you know, not, not approve it. And all you have to do is Google her name <laughs> and you're going to see she's pro second amendment and you know, they're going to talk about second amendment things. And yeah. so, so that's bogus. That's a cop out answer from the dean. So this uh, is that same school that, that took down the the, the flat. I, I don't want to jump you. you <laughs> I'll let you, you tell them because
0: yeah no yeah so it, it's it 's just so interesting because the second amendment 's always under attack. We know that we see it all the time, uh, and of course, if it was something controversial that uh, that the college deemed as being you know the right kind of controversial, i suppose you know i mean if if this was a pro-abortion you know speaker coming that that believes in late-term abortions even you know right up even to till birth or something they'd probably be like yeah cool great you know freedom of speech but because the second amendment and because she's going to show up on campus and say you know we should have college uh, uh campus carry which definitely goes against what they you know believe in then that that type of Free speech is not allowed. Now, I realize that uh, the free speech issue and the Second Amendment and all that, it, it always gets to be a little bit tricky as far as, you know, whether it's on YouTube. We know about the whole YouTube thing, YouTube shutting down gun, pro-gun channels. Uh, Facebook is obviously anti-gun. They shut stuff down on Facebook all the time. Uh, they have certain, you know, gun policies about what you can and cannot post or types of photos you can share and crap like that. We have We have ads shut down all the time. On Facebook. Of course, we're using Facebook today to do Facebook Live. Uh, so, you know, you never know. They could shut us down in, 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 the, in the next five minutes or whatever. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. Anyway, it, yeah, they probably technically have the right to do this, but you're a college where you want kids to study, to learn, um, and hopefully develop critical thinking and be able to look at this issue and that issue and decide for themselves, you know, w- what it means to them.
1: And you just... Well, <laughs> and, and this is how they're are this is what they're doing to these kids is that this is the same college or university that banned the American flag and took it down because they said that uh, students said that the, the American flag was, uh, was causing, you know, hate or was a symbol of hatred and, and causing yeah. violence and things like that. So they took down the American flag. I mean, this is how, how crazy that's not controversial. Taking down the American flag is not controversial, but Antonia for going there and talking about campus carry, um, the second amendment it, it is like, you know, I just, I, yeah. it it's boggles my mind. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, let's go now to, we're going to switch over to the next story here. Um, Let's see here. As soon as this thing gets out on my... You guys can't see this, but I have this control panel. that. There we go. It's blocking my ability to close that tap. All right. So uh, finals... Actually, excuse me. This is our first uh, justified story. And so this is a part of the week I always look forward to because these stories are, are my favorite. I love talking about these justified stories, uh, especially since a lot of times we, we talk about one thing in the news, you know, about what somebody said about you know, gun control, how we need more gun control, because if, or, or like last week, I mean, we, we see all this commentary about this Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act of 2017, this national reciprocity is going to make our country less safe. But then we'll turn right around and share five stories today that show how concealed carriers, I think, let's see, every, almost, I think almost every one of these stories involves concealed carriers. And these are lives yeah. that saved. Because of the promotion of, you know, the the, the the growing of this culture of concealed carry. And really, it's more, it's deeper than just a culture. But but it is that also. Hey, Gary from Oregon, by the way, want to give you a shout, ha- shout out. Emmanuel from Pennsylvania, appreciate you guys. So, this first story, this one was, wow. I heard, th- this one made some national news. People were talking about this quite extensively last week. This happened at a Popeye's Chicken in San Antonio, Texas. Where I love father, Popeye's. Yeah. Uh, they're a shrimp uh, po' boy. Mm. <laughs> Tasty. Uh, this father had to defend his family by shooting and killing a restaurant robbery suspect, say police. Now this started out as just about any typical uh, re- uh, robbery that you would expect. You know, guy walks in, guy has gun guy says, Hey, hand me your, hand me your stuff, hand me your money. But at some point during this robbery, uh, th- this uh, suspect, Andres Herrera, he, uh, uh, he first, he, he then approached Carlos Molina, 32, who was eating with his family and demanded his property at gunpoint. All right, so it, it went above and beyond of, let's just rob the store and get their cash, but I'm going to rob this dude sitting over here eating and you know enjoying some time with his family. Well, Molina <laughs> didn't take too kindly to that, but first he said I ha- he had no money because he used it to buy the meal that they're eating. Uh, I hope that's not true, by the way, because I, I, I actually genuinely hate that there are people that, that uh, maybe go hungry in this country or, or or really short on money. You know, Maybe this guy just spent the last of his money, or maybe he was just all talk in this case. But either way, he said he had no money because he used to buy the mill, then asked if the thief would let his family go. Hey, he's there with his family. He's got some kids, whatever, right? Hey, man, you know, let my family go. I'll deal with you. I'll try to give you what you want. Let my family go. The suspect, Herrera, turned toward the counter, pointed the gun, and yelled at the manager to stop running. Molina's family then walked out of the restaurant. Police said two more family members walked out of the restroom, and the suspect pointed the gun at them. Molina then quickly pulled his gun out and shot Herrera several times, killing him. Molina is a licensed handgun owner. I love when they say it's licensed. Handgun owner, <laughs> you know, licensed, per, you know, permitted to carry concealed is really what that should say, right? And they believe that he shot in defense of a third person. Absolutely, pretty yeah. clear cut. You know, your thoughts on this story?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a you know, anytime you have to use force. Obviously, we never want to use force. So when we say these are happy endings, you know, it's not like these are what we want to have happen when we go to Popeyes. Um, but like given the, the scenario that happened and then the choice that this, um, you know, bad guy made, uh, um, to start a gunfight and start a robbery and put people's lives in danger, he ended up, you know, um, ended up dying and, and the people that innocent people ended up surviving. Um, and you know, it, 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 Touches on a bunch of topics that we always, always go over is you don't know when you're going to, when this is going to happen. If this, I mean, the the probability of it is not high, but you don't know. You don't know when or where it's going to happen. And, uh, and you just have to be, be aware of your surroundings. And, you know, especially when you have your family with you, I mean, it's, especially when I have my, when I'm out with my family, my, my, you know, um, My sense of awareness is is extremely heightened for for reasons like this. These people do not, you know, it it might look like they just want money, um, but that's not always the case. And you never know what they're willing to do to get that money, even if it's a small amount.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we just had a story, I think, last week where the pizza delivery driver, uh, who probably doesn't have hardly any cash on him at all, and yet these guys uh, almost immediately from the get-go of, of trying to rob this this driver, uh, start shooting at him. And uh, so it's, yeah, crazy what people are willing to do for very little. Uh, this uh, story, besides the the aspect there where I think of it probably much like in the same way as you did. If I was there with my family, what would I do? How would I handle this? And And it's interesting. There's a lot of really good things that came out of this story. For instance, Molina, he bides his time. He is patient. He looks for and waits for an opportunity. In fact, he may not have been necessarily thinking, I'm going to go, I'm going to draw my gun. I'm going to use my gun, right? Initially, because one, he probably, you know, he probably didn't have the advantage to be able to do so. Two, he's sitting there with his family. and If he engages in a gunfight immediately with his family right there, uh, there's a high probability that they're going to get hurt. Uh, and, and, but three, his hand is forced when other family members come out of the restroom the suspect turns and points his gun at them, and you know then he feels like he's got to take action. That's really, I, I think that's really impressive that he waited for the opportunity, the right time, to take this guy out. Uh, whether he meant to or had any idea that that's what was going to happen in the next few seconds or not is is, is beyond the point. Uh, and so that's really cool thing to take from this. The other thing is talk about taking your eye off of a threat or potential threat clearly Herrera thought he had this whole situation handled and he took his eyes off Mm -hmm. of Lena and that cost him his life. So uh, there's lessons we can learn from that too, as far as like don't, don't, you know, don't take your eyes off a threat or don't, you know, be aware of situations. uh, You might not never, or you might be surprised where a threat will come from.
1: Yeah. And also the element of surprise that he had by carrying concealed versus an open carry, mm. you know, um, you know, I don't know if it would have played out any differently, but maybe he would have responded differently had he walked in and seen a guy with a gun. Maybe that would have made him turn around and walk out. Maybe not if he had you know, already started this robbery and then sees a dude stand up with a gun, you know, maybe it starts a gunfight right then and there, but there's, there is an element or, a a benefit to carrying concealed versus open carrying. So, and, and you know, it kind of played out here, I think.
0: Oh, open carry would have forced his hand immediately from the get go. Yeah. That, I, that would I have think definitely, so. you know, got that, that guy's attention and he's either at a target at that point where the gunfight starts almost immediately or, you know, or that guy tries to disarm him because, you know, he, he sees and perceives that, that potential threat. Yeah, good lessons learned from that story. A fantastic story, and we're glad that uh, Molina and his family made it out alive and without injury, and that it it only cost the life of the thug to begin with. Switching over now to Jacksonville, Florida, uh, we got a story where uh, this is a woman shoots ex-husband after he breaks into her home with crowbar and attacks her. So this story, I, I love these stories, by the way. I say that a lot, and I said that about the last story. This story is is something I really enjoy uh, hearing about because you have some sort a of domestic violence situation, which so often ends with tragedy in the case of the woman or the defense or the you know the the victim of that div- uh, domestic violence. Right. So often we see similar stories where domestic violence occurs and the victim is injured or killed, and so these stories are are fantastic because we see where a gun is a positive influence in that it defends and protects the life of this woman. This guy comes in with a crowbar for a reason. He's not there to, to try to, well, maybe he's there to try to convince her to come back to him, but it's not going to be convincing her nicely.
1: Yeah, probably. You know, probably doesn't, if, if, if he's going to convince her nicely, probably doesn't need a crowbar to do so. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't normally don't need to convince people with crowbars if I'm, if I'm being reasonable about it. Yep. So, you know, he comes
0: in and uh, let's see, let's get the whole story here. According to police report, Bishop said he wanted to talk and the woman agreed. He then attacked her. Sheriff's office said the woman had a gun and fired at Bishop, hitting him in somewhere in the face. Action News, Jack's crime and safety expert Ken Jefferson said that she had every right to protect herself. She was in fear and her fears came to life and he assaulted her outside. It sounds like this happened outside the home. He then, she did this next best thing protected herself and is well within her rights to protect herself. That tells me something else, too. She knew this, this ex-husband, or I guess his ex-husband, because it referred to her as an ex-wife. Uh, she knew that he obviously posed a potential threat to her. Right. Yeah. And, and say the same thing. And so she, so it's, it sounds like, you know, th- sometimes they don't get the details of these stories very good. They don't tell it in a way that makes logical sense, but it, it says that he tried to break into her home. And then apparently maybe he convinced her to, to come out of the home, but she did not go out before she made sure that she was armed, and that she was able to defend herself. If need, if need be that that's really key here. I think.
1: Did I lose you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she knew she, can you hear me, Riley? Well, yeah, yeah,
0: you're a little bit choppy, but, but yeah, keep going, man.
1: Yeah. What I was going to say is, you know, just like you said, she she knew, she knew what was going to, she knew that this guy was violent. He just probably had, you know, was trying to break into her home. Uh, She knew the guy was, you know, unhinged. I mean, whether or not it was a good idea to go outside and meet this guy instead of just calling the police and saying, I'm not going to go out. You know, there's all different kinds of reasons why she might've gone out and thought she could calm him down. It's her ex-husband and things like that. She probably did it tons of times before and calmed them down. Um, but something somewhere in her mind said something's not right. And if I can't, I need to have something where I can, I can equalize this because, um, uh, you know, I, I won't be able to survive an attack from this guy. And luckily she had a firearm and she had some basic proficiency with it. Yep. So.
0: Yeah. Like okay. I said, I love the story because you see a would be victim turn the tables and protect herself. And that's how it ought to be in my opinion. Let's go to our next story. Now we'll get back over to screen share. And so the next one is, CPL holder pulls gun to scare off man attacking her. Once again, we have a a female uh, victim. Okay. And she's out of walking her dog. This was in Sterling Heights, Michigan. She's walking her dog in Sterling Heights. She scared off a man with her licensed gun. Once again, licensed gun. I don't think they licensed the guns in Michigan. <laughs> I love these reporters, man. Uh, when he tried to attack her Sunday evening. So as she walked her dog outside Maple Grove Apartments near 15 Mile and Van Dyke that night, the Sterling Heights woman says she got a sinking feeling when she saw a van nearby. Pay attention to that. Come back to that. That's kind of odd, she said, that time of night, and why is this van running? And it's a black van with no windows. Police say she noticed a man get out of the van on the other side of the street and started walking parallel to her. Hmm, clue number two. Feeling uneasy, the woman who is in her 40s and a CPL or concealed pistol license holder says she immediately put her hand on her gun that was hidden under her jacket. Keeping her eye on the man and continuing to hold her gun, she got to the end of the street and the suspect dis- suspect disappeared. But then not even a minute later, that's when he came toward her. He grabbed the back of her jacket and tried to grab her and pull her towards him. The woman says she saw the man holding something shiny, possibly a knife. She put the gun in the suspect's stomach and said, I don't want to kill you. Police say the man appeared shocked and quickly ran off. The woman describes him as a black male in his thirties, medium build, clean shaven and a scar on his upper lip. Investigation, of course, still continuing there and they're looking for the suspect. Oh, wow. I, and I love this. It's like, she's like cold blooded, you know, like sticks the gun in his gut. And I don't want to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that was cool. And that was, that was, uh, re- remain calm in presence of mind the entire time. At, at- I mean that's that's awesome.
0: It, it is awesome. Uh,
1: because,
0: I, 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 you know what? Well, like I said, pay attention. I said pay attention to that. That that first. It was a clue, right? She was mm-hmm. aware, and she so, she's got a sinking feeling. She paid attention to that. A suspicious vehicle. Then she noticed a man walking parallel to her, appearing to maybe follow her. Almost. I mean, all this clued her in, and that awareness allowed her to be ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, you know, in in my, you know, classes, I'm always telling people, if you can avoid the situation better to avoid it than have to respond, we always train, you know, we, we, our training is always, you know, when we have to respond, sometimes we overlook everything that we can do before that we have before we have to respond. And sometimes it puts us in a tactical advantage or gets us out of the situation before even you know occur in this case because she has situational awareness knew like notice things that were out of place she she acted on that she you know we sometimes we don't follow our guts you know something doesn't feel right we shouldn't be at a certain place at a certain time or a car pulls up and like that's just doesn't seem right i don't know why but it just doesn't seem right key you know follow your gut instincts and, you know, stay on alert because had she not stayed on alert, I guarantee you this probably would have ha- ended up differently. And maybe she would have gotten to the point where she had to shoot the guy because he had already gotten on top of her before she could get her gun out. And at this point now they're fighting over a gun or something, whereas she was able to stop it before he got an upper hand on her. Um, so, there's you know there's good ways to address a threat with a firearm but there's even better ways that you can avoid it or put yourself in a tactical advantage where you might not even have to shoot um and you know it's it's a it's a great great example of why um Antonia Okafor should have been a hawk because she she connects with women and women um need and should have the right to protect themselves against, uh, people like this. And, you know, it's the great equalizer. We always talk about it. And so, um, that it's even more of a tragedy that she doesn't get to talk, but, you know.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff. And a great story. Uh, as I, uh, said to begin, I mean, I told you in the beginning, these are all awesome stories and I, I was just so excited to talk about these. Now, this next one is also pretty cool because we also have some surveillance video that shows what happened. So get back over to the screen share here. And this is a story of a store owner in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And he had to fight back when two armed robbers came into a store. Now, it's funny because, once again, thank you, reporters and, and news media, uh, with some of your reporting, because when I first read this, uh, I didn't envision it the way that, you know, the way it's described <laughs> and then you view the video, it, it didn't play out the way I... I
1: yeah, I, the I owner gets it. all the glory. What about the other guys?
0: <laughs> and so uh, it says here, a Whitehaven store owner fought back when two armed robbers came into his store. It happened just Friday evening before 6 p.m. on Mill Branch near Shelby Drive. The store owner fired his gun and started shooting at the two men. See, it just like jumps right into the story. And, and by the way, that's about how quick this thing actually happened. When you view the video, he hit, he hit one of the suspects who immediately dropped to the ground. That man was taken to the hospital and is expected to be okay. The other suspect is at large. And so for those of you viewing here on Facebook live with us today, uh, see if I can get this video to, oh, I had this loaded, ready to go earlier. Uh, yeah, I might have to come back to that. So, <laughs> cause it's not, not, not playing. It's, I don't even have any any controls there to hit play with or whatever, so I don't know what happened there, but uh, of course, as always, we have the, the notes, uh, our show notes for each episode of the podcast uh, that go up along with this when it's published on the website, and you can go to those show notes and see all these news story links for yourself, and you can go over to this news story. This one, once again, is called Store Owner Shoots Suspect During Armed Robbery, and What you'll see when you watch this video is this lady that we actually do see on the screen right now. She's got a pink hat on, and as she exits the store, almost immediately after she leaves the screen, you see two guys pop in, and they almost immediately, from the get-go, start firing away. Like, bam, 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 bam. And the store owner manages to get his own gun out, return fire, hitting one of the suspects, and apparently no one else in the store was injured or hurt. So, a remarkable story.
1: I think I might be able to pull it up on mine. Can you see oh, hey, yeah. my screen?
0: Yeah. Roll it. Is that, is that working? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Matthew.
1: All right. So think yeah, I think I might be right able about to get there. this for
0: you. Yep. So we see that she's just exited, right? And almost immediately, we're going to see these two guys come in right here. Bam. Bam. And the guns are up in the air, and they are firing away. And it's hard to see the store owner in the back there, but he's he's kind of you know ducking down behind his desk and back up, and and he's returning fire. He, he hit one of those suspects. I mean, that's how fast that thing happened. She walks out; these guys come right in, guns a blazing, and it's over like that.
1: And, and I'm I'm wondering what I'm wondering why um, there is such a. a, a Desire to to rob cell phone stores, like, <laughs> it, I, you know what I mean. It it seems to me that these cell phone stores and are always getting jacked. I mean, is it that they're in predominantly bad areas or bad? I, I don't know. Are cell phones that important to people that they're willing <laughs> to go in there and, you know, I, I guess, but. It's. It seems like a lot of stories that shootings happen in cell phone stores. So if you're if you work in a cell phone store, you own a cell phone store, you gotta be be on your toes. Be ready. Pack your gun. (laughs) Get some training. Some quality
0: training from a guy like Matthew Marister, instructor in Columbus, (laughs) Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: thank you for the plug.
0: (laughs) Zenith Defense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So all these were on a concealedcarry.com uh, polo shirt today. Good, good on you. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, I mean just you're exactly right. We see oh, too many of these. We, we've shared a number of stories through the last, you know, 181 episodes of the podcast that are that are similar in this regard. By the way, hello to Adam from Missouri. Appreciate you checking in. And Gary Bass says, this is what the world needs. Common sense gun reporting. I'm glad you think of it that way, Gary. That that Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. So uh, let's go now to our final justified story. Uh, let me get this one pulled up for you folks, uh, viewing. All right, so this one is on 11alive.com, Channel 11. is the NBC affiliate in uh, Georgia, Dawsonville, Georgia. The story is a woman is being hailed as a good Samaritan. And it, oh, this is an amazing story, too. I, I know they've all been amazing. This woman, though, this is remarkable because we had a similar story happen in the last year or two. We've had one happen in Florida, one happened in Arizona, and I know it's happened elsewhere, too. But in, in recent memory, I can think of these two other stories that are very similar to this. And how did this go down? This woman sees a suspect attacking a deputy. She steps in, draws her own weapon, and shoots the suspect. And likely saves this deputy's life. Let me give you the background of the story. The deputy sees uh, someone in, this, in the parking lot of this gas station. This is the de- picture of the deputy here you see on the screen. Uh, he sees someone there that needs some assistance. He goes over starts talking to the guy. Offers the guy a ride in his patrol car. Offers to take him to wherever he needs to go. He even goes so far as to offer money out of his own pocket to this man. I mean, that's how, you know, and we see this from a lot of cops. Uh, there's a lot of good cops out there. Matthew knows this. I know this. Uh, what a good guy uh, to see someone, to offer them a ride. He doesn't know who they are. They look, you know, they, they probably look homeless. I mean, that, 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 I, I, I have to assume that because otherwise, you know, he pulls up. He's like, hey, dude, can I give you a ride? Oh, you need some money? You need some food, right? And he's pulling money out of his own pocket. What does this guy do to repay him? Instantly. Here's round starts hitting him in the face and trying to grab his gun. That's when this Good Samaritan woman, we don't, we don't have a picture of her. She's not been identified. Uh, There's a video attached to, uh, you can watch this video right here. I'm circling it here on the screen. Uh, you can watch this video. This guy uh, goes into the, into the story pretty well. Um, and you see a, a shot of her from behind. Um, and she's talking to investigators or whatever. And, but she, she comes in, draws her gun, shoots the suspect, the suspect, by the way, then runs across the street to a McDonald's where he begins to assault an elderly woman, just a random woman. I mean, there's something wrong with this dude, right? Now, the suspect survives his gunshot wound. He's taken to the hospital. The deputy is also taken to the hospital. He had some some wounds, obviously, from from the uh, scuffle that had ensued. Uh, just a, a remarkable story. And I said in the beginning that this reminded me of we had that incident in Florida where the, the dude came up. You know, onto a, it was on the freeway. Saw a man on top of a deputy. The deputy's like basically telling him, "Help me! Shoot him! Stop him! Whatever!" Right? And this good Samaritan in Florida, uh, you know, sh- shot and killed the suspect as he was on top of the of the of the officer pummeling him. And then we had another instant, instance in uh, Arizona not too long ago either. So it's a very similar story. And but those both, those are both men. And I love the fact this is a woman. We we've seen concealed carry grow exponentially amongst. Uh, women shooters. Uh, Matthew, you see every class you teach, I I see your posts, man, your photos of your classes, and there's always women (laughs) in
1: classes. Yeah. And sometimes they're the majority. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, there's more women in the class than men. And I I mean, I think it's terrific that, um, that these women are, are taking this seriously and finally, you know, coming into the fold because it's not just a men's club. It's not just shooting, you know, self-defense is not just for men. It's not just, you know, uh, it, it, it's, for everyone who who wants to, to protect themselves. I mean, and that should be a core, a core principle is to protect yourself. And, um, yeah, I, I always have women in the class and almost always they say, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, Tired of seeing stories about women getting attacked and these things. And I want to be prepared. I want to know that I can defend myself. And you know, what better what what better feeling than to help these people get their concealed handgun licenses and get some good training that puts them in a position where um, if something were to happen to them, that they can act. And not only that, but have the wherewithal and the mindset to see something like this and know when to take action when not. And, and, you know, make a good shot because I'll tell you, it's not easy to take a shot and hit somebody um, and not hit the other person, the, the innocent person when they're two people fighting, it, it's, it's yeah. difficult. And, and so for, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, that's, that's not an easy shot to take. So, Um, the fact that she went through all her mental preparation, you know, checklists of, yeah, I'm going to get involved if this happens. And she goes through that, you know, quick flow chart and yep, now I have to get involved. And now I actually have to apply some fundamentals and take a tough shot. She does it. And, uh, thank God because, you know, being a police officer and, and, or deputy, you know, I mean, you don't know, there's always somebody out there that's tougher than you that, that you know, that gets an upper hand on you, gets a good punch and dazes you. Um, and, you know, frankly, if this, this sergeant just gave this guy a courtesy lift to the, the gas station and probably his guard was way down thinking that this guy wasn't going to assault him. And then he probably got a good hit in him and got the upper hand and, you know, thank God that, that woman was there because, It it says in the story that the the guy was actually trying to get the deputy's uh, firearm too. So, you know, who knows? He he obviously ran off from that scene and assaulted another woman. If he would have gotten that officer's gun, it it wouldn't have been an assault. It would have been a a murder. So she definitely saved lives. Yeah.
0: Well, this guy was clear too. It was clear that he was in town on hurting anybody he could I mean by by his action of running across the McDonald's and assaulting this elderly woman you know uh, who knows what would happen had he managed to get the deputy's gun got it in his hand shot the deputy didn't turn around maybe shot this woman then you know I mean like it's just obviously there's something wrong with this dude he was angry or psycho or crazy or hyped up on drugs whatever it was and was going to hurt somebody until somebody stopped him. And in this case, uh, at least the woman was able to stop him from hurting the deputy. The uh, one thing I, I kind of took from this, by the way, Matthew, is that she shot him once. He stops the assault on the, on the cop. Then he runs over and he's able to assault someone else. And, you know, can you imagine, I you know, play it out as though maybe the suspect, instead of stopping his assault on the deputy and running, Elsewhere, he he maybe then at that point came at the Good Samaritan woman that had just used her gun, and I hope she would have been prepared to follow up with additional shots if need be. But it just goes to show that I mean, one shot, okay, so what, you know? And you you see those those calls too, and especially in social media where people are like, "Well, just shoot him in the leg." He doesn't even have a weapon, you know. Well, (laughs) I, I imagine she she shot him center mass, and you know he's still able to run a hundred yards and, and start beating somebody else up. So anyway, good lessons to take from that, I think as well. And, and we, I mean, bravo to this good Samaritan woman, uh, for doing what she did, uh, and refusing to be a victim. We, we had five incredible, just justified stories a day, three of which involved women refusing to be victims and, and I don't mean to make such a big point about women. It's not women versus men and that, oh, you know, it, I hope anyone listening and viewing this uh, it will refuse to be a victim. You know, if need be, if, if if it comes down to it and the last resort is having to use deadly force, I hope that you're able to do so and that you're able to prevail. I also hope you're able to avoid things from happening in the first place. Um, that's why we're passionate about what we do here at concealedcarry.com with Field Carry podcast, uh, doing, doing our podcast like this and now, now putting it out there. We've got the technology mostly figured out. It's probably not ideal today. I know that we've had some connection issues and some audio quality issues, uh, likely due to the fact that I'm in Durango, Colorado on hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, it's, it seems like it's worked pretty well, though. So, But my apologies to those viewing or watching for any you know little things that have happened that are probably a little untypical. Um, I will be back, back uh, home here in uh, well Wednesday. I'll be back for sure home, and we'll have another show coming to you very soon. Hope to do that one on Facebook as well. Uh, we appreciate everyone that's tuned in via Facebook or that is listening post Facebook Live. You know, via the uh, podcast feed. Uh, we know many thousands of you tune into the podcast every week because we see those thousands and thousands of downloads, and we really appreciate it and appreciate your support of this podcast and of our sponsors which make it possible. Guardian Nation sponsor today and also once again sports a field. And this is the little R V one handgun vault that I have here. This is, you know, on the road traveling and this this goes with me everywhere. So it's very easy, very it's convenient. Cool. You know, you can typically it rides in the back seat or underneath the back seat of the truck with a cable locking it to the frame of the seat. Um, and I can pull it out. Stick it here in the hotel room. Keep things secure. If I have to, uh, yeah, good stuff. So our sponsors: Guardian Nation, GuardianNation.com, and Sports forward ConcealedCarry.com/sportsafield. Once again, thank you everyone for joining in. Thank you, Matthew, for your time today, sir.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it more than you know. I I love doing this with you. So yeah, folks listening, in case you don't know, I mean he does, he doesn't get paid to do this.
0: So he's volunteering <laughs> in time to come on the podcast and uh, appreciate it so much because I value his input highly.
1: You got it, man. Thank you.
0: So with that, uh, a reminder, everyone, to train safe, train often, and train right so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. Catch you next time.